You're listening to Health Call Live, the area's only live local interactive radio hour devoted to you and your health. Watch the video live stream on the Health Call Facebook page and call us with your questions at 447-1190 or toll free at 800-333-1190. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. So good morning. Great to be back with you again. I really appreciate you dropping by to hang out with us here each Saturday morning for a while with the latest information about this whole COVID thing. We're going to move beyond this. We are, we are. You know, there's a lot of evidence happening overseas. We're seeing it in England and the European countries that Omicron is peaking. So there are more and more people who are now believing this is it. This is the last wave of this darn pandemic. And, you know, it couldn't come soon enough. Two years ago today, that the Chinese government was telling people, oh, no, this doesn't spread person to person. Yeah, we know how that worked out, right? Well, a big change today is that government policy now requires your health insurance company to reimburse you for rapid test costs. You can get up to eight of those per household per month, and the government's going to be sending out stuff, and all that's coming out. Starting Wednesday, you'll be able to go to a government website and request a home test kit. Curious about how soon they're going to be delivered, but that's a whole different issue for another time. We are, however... I'm going to be talking in just a few minutes with Dr. Matthew Sutter. He is the health commissioner for Allen County. To find out more about these oral medications, these pills are available that are able to knock down your chances of having a severe COVID episode, but they're very limited supply. So who gets them? How do you use them? Where do you go? What do you have to say? All those questions. We're going to get into all of that in just a few minutes. I want to start, though, with something that's pretty interesting, I think, and that is earlier this week, I had a chance to talk to Dr. Dr. Jerome Adams, he was the U.S. Surgeon General under President Trump. He was there as the pandemic started and as the vaccines were developed. And we talked about a lot about it, a lot of different topics. And I'll have the full video interview up on the Health Call webpage and just a little bit later today. But this morning, take a listen as Dr. Adams explains how the politics of COVID has seriously hurt the fight against this virus and why President Trump's reputation as a disruptor and how it played into the pandemic. There have been way too many examples of blaming and shaming individuals without taking the time to understand where they're coming from, without taking the time to really explain things to them. One of my favorite sayings is people need to know that you care before they care what you know. And we've used masks, we've used vaccinations, and there was a great article that came out recently talking about how the Biden administration went all in on vaccines and basically um, started using the phrasing, a pandemic of the unvaccinated to say, look, it's not our fault if the pandemic continues on, it's these people's faults. Mm -hmm. And far too many people out there wanna blame individuals for making decisions. That's not my approach. My approach is to say, hey, here's what I do, number one. I try to walk the talk. I'd never ask anyone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And then I say, um, explain to me what your concerns are. And in many cases, it's people uh, relying on information that uh, isn't the most up-to-date in terms of the evidence base. And I can help them understand that, but they're not going to listen to me if they don't first trust me. You had uh, Vice President Harris come out prior to the election and say, I would not trust this vaccine. 
You had Governor Cuomo in New York assert that he would not trust the vaccine when it came from the FDA until they did an independent review. And, and it's hard to unring those bells. And this is not me trying to defend the prior administration. Uh, there's a lot that we could have done better. But I tell you, um, when you inject politics into the equation, it's hard to then say, OK, we're in charge pull the politics back out again. No, uh, the die has been cast and it continues to linger on and, uh, and carry on in the future. You know, just while you're on that point, you were there as the vaccine was being developed. What was that like? Was there a sense that you were onto something that was really remarkable, the speed at which that was done? Well, what I saw was what really can happen when you are willing to be a disruptor. And uh, again, I, whenever I talk politics, I realize it comes across um, as such. But, um, but for all the uh, negative things people say about President Trump, he wasn't afraid to be a disruptor. And so as we were um, going through the Operation Warp Speed process, what people don't realize is um, we could have picked one or two vaccine candidates in the beginning and said, we're going to put all our eggs in that basket. Uh, and there were lots of people who said we should do that. President Trump said, no, I want as many candidates out there as possible, kind of let the thousand flowers bloom philosophy happen. And, and it was there. It was no amount of money, um, no amount of effort is too great for us to get these vaccines. And so there were multiple candidates out there. And it is nothing short of amazing that we had three three vaccines make it across the finish line in record time. People forget that throughout most of the, the 2020 election, almost all health experts were saying we would be lucky to have a vaccine by the end of 2021. And we got a vaccine uh, almost a year earlier than most experts were saying we would get one. And we got three vaccines and they were all over 80% effective when they first came out. So it was truly remarkable from a scientific point of view to be part of that. I worked very closely with the vaccine manufacturers to make sure they had um, sufficient numbers of minorities enrolled in their trials, which was a real struggle because we were saying uh, minorities aren't gonna trust this vaccine if they don't know it was tested to be safe and effective in them. And that's something that we'll never get credit for. But I, I remain tremendously proud of that I, I had a role not only in helping make sure these vaccines got across the finish line, but that they could be trusted to the extent that they are by people because we, uh, we had um, sufficient enrollment in the trials. I also think it's going to change drug development for the future. So you're going to see development of new cancer technologies and new HIV technologies because of what happened with Operation Warp Speed. So it was truly a disruption that is going to save lives uh, for quite a while into the future based on the, uh, the, the paradigm that we set in 2020. Um, tell me what you think we need to really be focusing on here in the next 30 to 60 days. Well, I think it's going to get really bad in the next um, several weeks just because the hospitals are already full. And like I said, when you look at the math of one third is likely to send you to the hospital, but four to five times as many infections, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Once we get over that hump, my hope and the hope of many people out there is that you're going to have a significant number of people who, whether they meant to or not, are going to have some baseline level of immunity um, to, to the virus. Um, many more people are getting vaccinated and boosted every day, so that's going to add the things too. 
And my hope is that come spring, you're going to see us settle into some of these hard conversations about the risk and the benefits of reopening, and that uh, we'll have people really rally around the idea of doing the things that it takes to reopen. And so uh, as, as we close, one of the things I most want people to understand is that when it comes to safely opening, the more people who are vaccinated and boosted, the uh, more sustained your reopening will be, the less likely you'll have a spread because there will be other variants. Make no mistake about it. You heard it here first. If you haven't heard it somewhere else, Omicron is not our last variant. We will have new variants, but um, we know that if you're vaccinated, if you're boosted, you're going to have a baseline level of immunity to some degree against most new variants that come our way. That will provide us protection and uh, allow us to be able to stay open and or adapt with minimal disruption when we have these new variants occur. Uh, we also need to settle into a routine. And I said that uh, we always should have uh, uh, sold these vaccines as kind of a three-dose initial series. The hepatitis vaccine that all of our kids get nowadays um, is a three-dose series. Uh, it's a, it's a non-live vaccine. COVID in retrospect should have been sold as a three-dose series instead of us continuing to try to sell people on boosters um, because it's been a three-dose. And then we should settle into once a year just like we do with the flu. Once you get your, your three doses or your three exposures to the antigen, because I also do think that prior infections should count as, a, as one of your three exposures, then we just say, look, um, every fall, you're, gonna, you're likely for the foreseeable future to need an update just as we do with the flu vaccine. And if we do that, if we communicate that to people, then my hope is that more people will buy into it. But right now, this, this chase, this whack-a-mole, this kind of chasing the new variant around and saying, oh, you need another booster, oh, you need another booster, uh, I think people aren't going aren't gonna to stomach that for much longer. And uh, I don't think they have to. But I think with that comes the idea that we are going to have some some casualty as a part of that. And that's the trade-off. With flu, we don't say, oh, we noticed a new um, flu virus circulating around uh, towards the latter part of the flu season. Let's very quickly put out a new flu vaccine. We say, look, it happened. We're going to suck it up and uh, we'll wait until the fall and we'll um, hope that the vaccine next fall is a better match. Uh, and I think that's where we're going to be with COVID moving forward. I hope that that leaders start to communicate that long-term vision to people so that they can get over the frustration of, of chasing around the uh, variant du jour. And that is uh, Jerome Adams, former U.S. Surgeon General under the Trump administration. Lots of interesting stuff there. Talking with that guy, really enjoyed that experience. Coming up next, information you need to hear from our Allen County Health Commissioner. We're going to talk about rapid testing, the oral medications, what's the process procedure, who does it qualify for. Good questions answered soon here on the Health Call Live Radio Hour on WoWo. This is Health Call Live. We're glad you're listening, but don't be afraid to call and ask your question on the air. It's free, non-invasive, and best of all, you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. And we're going to jump right out to the expert line and talk to Allen County Health Commissioner, Dr. Matthew Sutter. Kind of a quick uh, lightning round of questions with you this morning, doctor. Thanks for joining us. I think I've lost my feed. You just got very quiet. Okay, there you are. We have you now. Hey, uh, first of all, let's start with the read on uh, what's happening in local hospitals. If I have a stroke or a heart attack, is there going to be room for me? I'm is there a bed call for right me? Back. Okay. 
So that is uh, Dr. Matthew Sutter, who's going to be dialing back in. One of the big issues that we need to cover here is exactly what's going on with rapid tests. What do they mean? There's a lot of confusion about what these tests tell you. And then what are you supposed to do after you test positive? If you are high risk, there is a new oral medication that is available. But where do you go to get it? What do you have to do? Who qualifies? We're going to jump into all of that as soon as Dr. Sutter jumps back on the phone with us here. It looks like he's ready. Dr. Sutter, you with us? Yeah, I'm back with you. Sorry about that. Not your problem. Thank you so much. So uh, what's the status? My first question there was about hospital occupancy. If I have a stroke or a heart attack, is there a bed for me in Fort Wayne area? Yeah, the ERs are still very busy, um, and the hospitals are very full. Um, but interestingly enough, our overall census of COVID-19 is stabilized over the last couple of weeks, uh, which is different than the rest of the state. So I don't know exactly why that's happened in our county, but it's really welcome news. Indeed it is. Let's talk about these instant or rapid tests. If I test positive, what is that telling me? Yeah, so while it's possible to have a false positive, those are not very common with the rapid test. So in general, if you're having symptoms and you get a positive rapid test, you're very, very likely to have COVID-19 and for that to be a true positive. So if I am positive, should everyone in my house be tested or do we just assume that they're all going to be infected as well? Yeah, so if you're positive and you've got a close contact, which is normally going to be most members of your family because the infectious period goes two days before you actually show symptoms, um, you know, they should be, they should follow the quarantine guidance from the CDC, which is basically going to be five days of, of quarantine followed by five days of masking. And then do I need a second test? When do I test a second time? So the CDC guidance for isolation, so you isolate when you're sick or positive for COVID-19, you quarantine when you're exposed to somebody. The isolation is very sim similar to the quarantine right now, which is five days of isolation. If your symptoms are getting better, or if you didn't really have symptoms, if you're not running fevers and haven't for 24 hours, uh, then you can go out into public as long as you're wearing a well-fitted mask all the time. You're probably still a bit infectious at that point, but if you're doing good source control by wearing a mask, um, the, the risk is pretty low. So one of the changes with Omicron is that these monoclonal antibodies are not as effective. Regeneron, for example, uh, very effective to keep people from advancing to severe disease in Delta, less so with Omicron. So that's where these new oral medications come in, Pfizer's Paxlovid and the other one that's out there. Lots of confusion around those. Are they available in our area right now? Yeah, so it's actually a very complicated thing. As you said, uh, most of the monoclonals are not effective against Omicron, uh, which is a shame because we, in our community here, we've actually had a pretty good system for getting those done. There is one monoclonal that's still useful. That's Sotravimab. It's the one made by uh, GlaxoSmithKline, um, but it's an extremely limited availability, uh, almost so limited that it's, that it's not available. Um, and then there's three other treatments that are all available, and they all got approved and available almost about the same time. Um, the first one is Paxlovid, which is an oral medication. You take it for five days. Um, it's very effective against reducing hospitalization, and it's the NIH's top therapy, um, and it's almost completely unavailable. So hospital systems are getting those doses, but they're getting the doses in the tens of courses. Um, so those are going to the very highest risk people with COVID. Those would be people with organ transplants, people with se severe 
immune diseases, people with really bad complicated medical histories. So if I'm um, one of those people and I test positive, what do I do to, to access that limited supply? Do I have to go to a hospital? Yeah, I would contact your doctor. Right now, there are not good lines and clear ways to make this uh, happen. And I think, unfortunately, people's uh, specialists or physicians, whoever they're most following with, are going to be the ones who are going to have to help guide them through that. Uh, that's a heavy lift for these offices. But unfortunately, I think it's the only way to do right now until supplies get better. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Call a doctor's office and see how quickly you get a response these days. Um, that's a that's They're a front for those folks. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, given the number of people who are testing positive currently in this Omicron surge, um, and while we're not seeing as much severe illness with Omicron, we're seeing lots of moderate illness, which means everybody's calling their doctor because they feel bad. Exactly. I mean, I'm not beating up on those guys. I understand. They, they are stressed to the max. I get that. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Omicron experience. What are you hearing? Everybody I'm talking to says it is the bad cold situation that we had been told might be coming. Yeah, I, I think that's an overstatement. It does appear that it's less severe than Delta. Um, but, you know, Delta was more severe than the original variant. Uh, what I'm hearing is that it's probably similar to the original variant. So probably between 30 to 50 percent less risk of hospitalization. Com not completely clear whether that's because of the variant itself or just because we're getting a more immune population, people mm -hmm. with previous infection and vaccination. Um, but um, it, the good news is, is it does not appear as severe as Delta, and at least locally, despite the incredible spike in cases. I mean, we're at all-time highs by a large amount in terms of cases. Uh, we are not seeing that same thing in hospitalization. The rest of the country and the state, though, is. Yeah, I, I get that. I've watched those numbers grow. It's really amazing. A thousand positive cases yesterday, and, and we know that that's might be less than half of the total population because people just are not being tested. They kind of say, oh, I've got it, so yeah, I'll just lay low. Um, I think there's a lot of that, and I think there's also a lot of home tests which are not reported to the state and are not part of those data. Um, but um, but it's still a good indicator of where we're at in the community, which is very high. Yeah, really high. I am reading so much from Europe that is telling us that we're seeing a peak over there. We're on the downside of this thing, that once we get through the Omicron wave, this might be the end phase of this pandemic. What's your thinking on that? I think saying it's the end phase is would be very optimistic. I mean, that would be great if that's true. Uh, I think it could be a game changer, though. So while I don't think the pandemic will be over after this, I think there's a very good chance that it will be very different after this, just by the number of people who are going to be infected um, paired with the number of people who are vaccinated. Um, However, I don't, I don't think that this summer everything's back to normal and, and COVID-19 is the flu. Uh, if you look at eight, 1918, you know, it took probably more like five years for things to settle down and, and really become the seasonal flu that we're used to. Um, however, it could be a lot better by this summer, certainly my hope. Hey, our time is gone. I sure appreciate you checking in with us, Dr. Sutter. Thank you for that information on Paxlovid and what we're looking at locally. That's very helpful. 
Hey, my pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. Uh, wow, a lot to uh, a lot to think about as we walk through the rest of this pandemic. Hopefully, you're going to get through without that viral infection. But look, the odds are it's going to come and find each and every one of us. So live accordingly, whatever that means for you. On the other side of the half hour, taking a look at a problem a lot of guys my age have, and I have myself, and that is low testosterone. What can you do about it? What are the therapies? What are the risks? What are the benefits? We'll get into all of that next on the Health Call Live Radio Hour on WoWo. Podcasts by Federated Media.